Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. All praise be to Allah, the Lord of the Worlds. Over 100 episodes, almost 40 different ethnic backgrounds, living in almost 30 different countries. In just two seasons, the Niqabi Diaries podcast has brought you the stories of Muslim women across the globe. Women united in sisterhood by their commitment to the Deen of Islam. Welcome to season three of the Naqabi Diaries podcast, where, inshallah, we will continue to bring you the stories of the women behind the veil. The Naqabi Diaries, our experiences, our perspectives, our voices. I'm your host, Samar, and thank you for listening. Please don't forget to like, share and subscribe. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa Welcome to another episode of the Naqabi Diaries, season three. Alhamdulillah, we have another guest with us today very special guest from another podcast actually the make hijra podcast we have with our sister najla sister could you please introduce yourself for the listeners and tell us about what you do inshallah i'm on the make hijra team um as a support person for um Muhajir sisters uh also um it's more some community building what um homemaker, um, student, uh, and uh, teacher. I'm a, I'm a, I embraced Islam in my early youth. Alhamdulillah, yes. Alhamdulillah. Okay, um, inshallah. So if yeah. you could tell us how you started to wear the niqab, that would be great, inshallah. Uh, I, I just, um, I think I was 16, yeah, and um uh was looking into it because at that time actually i was um there was a a great like uh, i was curious about it because i was very naturally shy so i was kind of um looking into the islamic aspect of it and um there was a few sisters in my community who did wear it at that time it was very few, very literally, like two or three. Um, so I was like curious about it, but uh, that kind of led me to look into it from from the aspect of you know the evidences from the Quran and the Sunnah, and um, I did put it on at that time for like I think it was like a year or something. I can't remember now, um, but then I ended up taking it off. And so when I when I put it back on, it was like a few years later. Um, that's when I put it on and didn't take it off. So it's been now over about 20 years, 21 years um, since I've been wearing it uh, consistently. Yeah. And I took it off um, because I was actually it was a, a safety concern. It was like during the time of. Uh, 911 going on in the states nice. and uh there was a lot of harassment actually we had a lot of incidences but um one of my friends who was wearing the cop she was actually arrested uh, for just something as simple as like a traffic uh ticket mm-hmm. but the way that they treated her was just like um ridiculous so it was like you know you don't really want to draw attention to yourself and you know, uh, make more issues, you know. Um, plus at that time I was also in school 
not not a lot of Muslims in my school. Like uh, just a few, not not a few, maybe a few. Mm-hmm. Um, so even at that time, I was a few, but I was only like sister who were, uh, you know, Scarfield Jobat at my uh, high school and also in in college. So it was a bit. Uh, it was a bit isolating, you know, and and it actually drew more attention. So I didn't want to. I didn't really like that that type of um, situation. Mm-hmm. So I just like okay, like if I do it again, inshallah, I should I would you know be in a better position to see like you know testing the the room if you you know what I mean like yes, to see how yeah. Yeah, because especially when you're, if you're by yourself, um, I was married, but uh, during, like, we were not in, a, we wasn't in school together, and also had uh, small children, so it was, like, very um, difficult uh, from, you know, driving alone, or, especially in our environment, we lived in a, lived in a uh, urban society, mm-hmm. and uh, inner city, and, um, sometimes uh people don't necessarily bother you as far as uh what you want to do but they try more to you know talk to you and you know um find out like what are you doing and you know they just want to know what what you're doing which is not a problem but it starts to just become i didn't just didn't like i didn't like the attention you know that it brought but alhamdulillah, after um, we moved to Egypt, I still didn't wear it until after a few months after I got there. And um, some people might think, oh, because, you know, some Muslim society might be easier to do or something like that. Uh, but I didn't necessarily feel that way because I didn't base it on, like, you know, the society. Because if I did, I don't think it would be easier because there's a lot of, it's some, um some people who don't really appreciate it there either you know um so it's just that you have to know what you're going to do you know your intention and and just do it you know regardless of um the the society even amongst the muslims it was an issue uh, because they didn't see it that much at least in our muslim community in the states it wasn't that many and it also was looked at as something um extreme to do so what would um so mashallah if you've mentioned a lot that i wanted to ask mm. you um so from that early period when you you know started wearing the niqab in the states and then moving to egypt like what would you say you think the main difference was between wearing the niqab in both of those countries like from your experience um I think the main difference in in a Muslim society is that even if there's people who don't like it, which again, it's not really my concern about, you know, who likes it or who doesn't like it or, you know, but it's still even people who don't like it, they understand it's from Islam. So they they can't exactly reject, you Mm -hmm. know, reject it on a on a basis, you know, on a basic foundation, they can't uh, reject it. But um also, you have plenty more, you know, you have plenty more, um, sister, it's normal, they see it, and it's, it's like, 
is normal to them, even if they don't wear it. They see it and it's like, it's pretty common. It's some, it depends where you live, but it's pretty common. Um, but what's not common too much is like what uh, some, some of the society might be confused as to why you, you know, why you like from the West and you're doing this or, you yes. know, yes. why did you choose to do it? Because you, you know, you come, you, you know, maybe you're just wearing it because you live there, but they don't understand, you know, sometimes it actually, no, we, we dress like Muslims in the West too. Yeah. So it's not strange, you know, it's not strange for us. But, um, so that was the main thing is that the, the, the society is, is not attacking, you know, anything about it because it's something from Islam. Mm -hmm. So um, um, you mentioned as well, like the time that you, you, the first time you put the niqab on, it was around, you know, kind of the 9-11 period. Um, apart from that, did you have any kind of um, negative pushback from your family members or like anybody like, you know, close relatives about wearing oh, the niqab? Oh, yes. <laughs> of course, yes, definitely. Uh, my... I have some members of my immediate family who are Muslim. Alhamdulillah, they also like embraced Islam. My, my, some of my immediate family later on in life, and then um, the Muslim family was very like uh, just. Uh, I think they were just scared. You mm -hmm. know, they were just afraid for safety, safety concerns. You know, uh, people may attack you or you know do stuff like. Or you just around, you know, going to the store or living your regular life outside, you know, even if you don't spend too much outside, uh, time outside, you still have, you know, things to, to take care of, you know, um, you know, even if your husband is at work or something, you yeah. still have, you yeah. know, still have things to do. Mm -hmm. So they were concerned about that. Um, uh, my non-Muslim family, which is the majority, they were mostly on the, this is weird and strange and it's against, you know, everything that they believe in and, you know, um, what's kind of not like what's wrong with you, but like, you know, probably you get over that phase or whatever when you, when you like, cause I was young. So it's like, oh, she's probably just, you know, that's probably gonna last for a little bit, but, but it didn't. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, here we are. So I'm delighted. They, they just have to, you know, they accept the fact that um, it didn't change. So, So, you traveled to Egypt after, like, you, you so you put the look up and then you took it off and then you traveled to Egypt. And then after yeah. being in Egypt for a while, you started wearing the niqab again. So, um, would you say yeah. that, um, obviously, being in a Muslim country, it was like that it was easier for you to actually put the niqab on and um it was you felt secure that you could just do that like what did you do you had that you had a personal desire to wear the niqab yourself that time as well you felt that yeah this was the time that you could just do it yeah i just felt like it was it was a lot of contributing factors for that um i really didn't feel comfortable i noticed that okay so i have to back up a little bit uh, we traveled with another friend. I have a close friend and her family. So at that time, she actually wore niqab and I didn't. Mm -hmm. um, when we actually traveled there, so I I saw the difference in how um, she was being treated at the airport and at the in the society uh, versus how I was. 
So at the airport, it was a lot of you know irritation <laughs> as far as uh, from coming from the states to Egypt, but actually not in Egypt, at, you know, coming through the airport. But then in the society, because we had to, we actually we went to school together and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, every time we would go out, and mind you, we went out with. Uh, it wasn't like we went out just only by ourselves. Like we would try to go out with one of our our husbands, our kids, you know, mm-hmm. and um, just the 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 air, you know, the energy around the men and uh, some of the women from when versus when you have it on or when you don't. It was just very uh, different. So it was in some cases a little bit more respectful and some cases more disrespectful to be honest but um I just didn't like again like I was just like because of so many people there I wasn't used to a a a city where it's like you know millions of people I didn't come from that so just to see droves and droves of just people a very a lack of personal space just in all culture wise yes um I just didn't feel comfortable just even like going outside and just everyone, it felt like, you know, being in my face. It was just uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. So even just, you know, just people in general, men and women, it was just very, very uncomfortable. It's like, let me just make it easier for me to mind my business, you Mm -hmm. know? Mm -hmm. And also, like I said, with, with the evidences and stuff I had read before, I was very sure about, you know, why am I doing it? Yes. So it was it was easier in that way because it's just like okay this is this is really overwhelming for me mm-hmm. you know it's just easier to like uh, put something some kind of barrier you know between all the people and uh, all of that you know so that kind of that was another factor that had to do with it. Okay, so you mentioned that that like the the Nakaba being a barrier. So, what would you say you um that you know in your experience, what was your personal, what was the difference that you personally felt when you decided to when you started wearing the Nakaba versus before you was wearing it in Egypt? Uh, less um, less I would say less, not like not totally um no right. But it's just less, you know, how do you say? You're less susceptible or less vulnerable mm-hmm. to uh, random men, you know, coming up to talk, try to talk to you and, you know, trying to um, find out about you. Whereas in the States, it was kind of strange. It was like the other way around. Honestly, that's what I saw. Mm-hmm. It was that... Yeah, between the non-Muslim men and the Muslim men, the brothers, they would be more, you know, like um, they would lower their gaze more. Yeah. Uh, but the non-Muslim men, sometimes, that's what I experienced, they would be more intrigued. You know, like, what do you have on under there? Oh, it's more, you know, they, they were more uh, curious mm-hmm. and, you know, trying to it was more sexualized, nice. basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then I found that in comparison to Muslim society, you do have the men who sexualize it in Muslim countries, but it's less, you know, than mm-hmm. uh, what you would find, at least from my experience in the in the states. 
Right, subhanAllah. It's, it's, it's really interesting. So alhamdulillah, um, so you, did you feel that um, it's still more secure in wearing the niqab than in Egypt than not? Yes, yes, definitely. It reduces a lot. You know, again, like I said, I wouldn't say it, it's like it completely removes any kind of, you know, you know, like drama and fitna and stuff, but it's definitely, I think it, it reduces a lot, a lot of, it reduces a lot. <laughs> so what would you say, like, because, um, you know, for people who never been to Egypt or even for maybe some non-Muslims who, you know, might think of Egypt as a Muslim country and, you know, like when we as women decide to wear the niqab, people, like most people automatically think that we're wearing it because our husbands have forced us to wear it or something like that, not from our own choice. Um, right. and not only that, but obviously living in a Muslim country, you know, they like some people wouldn't expect that, you know, even if you're wearing a niqab, that it's something that's being kind of, um, you, st you still get pursued by men maybe. And I know one of the experiences that I had actually, it wasn't like me personally, but when I first became Muslim, I, I remember that um, um, some sisters living in the, the um, south of London, they did used to say that, um, you know, even being dressed head to foot, foot in black, they, like, and, you know, face covered and everything, it didn't deter some men because they, they just, exactly. like, you know, they just decided that they wanted to, you know, basically, so, I mean, in a non-Muslim country, at least from non-Muslims, you could understand to some extent, but for Muslim men in a Muslim country and they're not doing it, you know, what would you, what do you say about that? Yeah, I would say like in the, in the States, the men were more, um, you know, you had the ones who sexualized it, then you had the ones who, and more of them were who were uh, scared of you. You know, they're like, they were just scared. Like, what is this, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, why would they, if you know, we're women, but of course we can, there's something, we're not men, but we can see some things, especially as you, as you mature, you can see, okay, all right, if, if I have a choice, right between looking at a woman who's you know wearing a bra and panties outside mm -hmm. and somebody who's like I really can't really I can see but I, I have to look hard right I have to look harder mm -hmm. then what's easier to look at yeah you know uh, but um as far as respect wise they look at that different you know like okay maybe they respect the person more who's who has some modesty with them um but in the Muslim countries I see, because the, they know that, I want to, I don't want to say in general, uh, they know that some sisters who are covered have a bit more uh, modesty with them. So they take it as a, as like they're vulnerable and that they, um, they're easier to, to attack or to be, you know, if they're perverse, they are, you know, mm -hmm. you can't really, you know, Allah talks about that. So if they have a disease in their heart, then, you know, you can't really, you can't control that. You have no uh, responsibility towards what you, what you wear over somebody who is sick. Okay. But if, um, when you see a Muslim men who don't really, uh, you know, kind of like, uh, who, who try to like harass the women and stuff like this. Yeah. They see it as a, as a, as a somewhat, because it's a harder target, it's, it's more of a thrill or something, like an adventure. Yeah, like a know? challenge, they want the challenge. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. So unfortunately, you do have that, but it's still, 
I would say still um it's still a, a reduction. Yes. And them between that and a sister who doesn't like wear hijab or something and she's wearing tight clothes and stuff like that. It's still different the way even they look at it and approach, you know. Mm-hmm. Especially if there's a man with her or, you know. Of course, of course. Yeah. 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 It's interesting. Like I like to talk about these things because um obviously, you know, there's ob- often like, you know, conversations with sisters where they say, well, oh, a man's supposed to lower his gaze. And obviously, yes, definitely the men are supposed to lower their gaze. But, um, you know, when you've done your responsibility from your side in helping them to be able to do that, if they then decide that they're not going to, um, you know, fulfill their side of um, Allah's command, then you, there's no sin on you. You've, you've done your right. bit. Because exactly. as, as Muslims, we're supposed to work together as a community. So it's yeah. not just, oh, well, I just think about myself and what I want. It's about you're trying to do what is best for the community as well. So that's part of what we're doing because sometimes you know sisters will say oh well you say you wear the niqab for your own choice and because you know you want to wear it not because you've been made to marry not because of men so why don't you wear it when you're in the shower for example they'll say and I said well no because the command is it is about it's not for the shower right interaction you know right. it, it is it is addressing interaction between male and female and it's trying to you know bring some kind of decorum when it comes to um you know these kind of interactions and uh you know like boundaries basically right right and you still have to protect yourself regardless exactly. you know it's not it's very naive to think okay uh because also i lived in other muslim countries as well it's not it's not that uh you you're absolved um of being of basically having like street smarts and protecting yourself anyway, regardless of wherever you are, you know, as a woman, you just, the way it is, is that we are um, more susceptible to different uh, harms and stuff like this in the society, you know? So you have to be just aware of that, regardless of what you wear. I think that's, that's the thing, like, okay, if you're covered properly and you don't wear a cup, you still have to be, you still shouldn't walk around thinking like, okay, because I have, have you know, I have a jilbab and hijab on that I, nobody's going to possibly try anything or say, look at me a certain way. Unfortunately, that's what it is, you know, but in general, it's, it's more of a, it's a lesser chance, you know, it's a lesser chance because you're not the, the easiest, um, <laughs> you know, the easiest prey out there. Of course, of course. You know? Yeah. Okay, alhamdulillah. So um, in your time living in different countries, have you had any experience working at all with the niqab? Okay, working. Okay, that's an interesting one. Um, the jobs that I had, even, even in the States, like they were all, um, if you want to say like entrepreneurial, you know, self-employment type of mm-hmm. things. Um, so I used to, um, I catered food for a long time, like the private uh, food catering, of okay. uh, babysat, you know, then child care, uh, teaching, um, what else? Um, community work. So it wasn't necessarily, you know, like working for somebody, especially I really never worked for um, 
like you know basically like non-muslims so except for like yeah i had some couple online uh, jobs like that but i mean if you mean like i i kind of i get i think you mean like outside in the, the society like as a i don't know what like uh i don't know well, just anything really like, uh, what should you or something like that yeah yeah you just okay. experience working okay yeah all of those things is kind of yeah yeah this is like yeah these are like those type of jobs so i don't know what you got but yeah those things um i always because i was always around other you know sisters other muslims it really was like it wasn't a, a big deal it, only time it was kind of a big deal is when you know you when you're dealing with um, sometimes sister to sister interactions, you know, right. where um, sometimes people who who um, who like don't want you, who don't really like niqab and stuff like this, who mm -hmm. happen to be Muslim, you know, they have you know negative comments and you know it's like verbal assaults and you're just like okay, you know, like one mm -hmm. one time in the states it was it was so funny because. Um, it was just, it, to me, it was hilarious, but the sister was so serious, you know, and the, the sentiment was basically like, you know, it's sooner the smile, sister, don't you know that? <laughs> you know, wow. I was like, wow, yeah, we do know this, and you should, you can still smile with the niqab on. Exactly. Um, but it's like, not for everybody to see, but, you know, um, so it's just stuff like that, you know, like, oh, you don't have to wear it, you know. Mm -hmm. like you know um you know just just you know like people thinking that you think you're better or even regardless of them ever saying and sitting down with you to talk with you and just having that you know preconceived notion oh well she thinks she's better because she wears a cop mm -hmm. or whatever like nobody said all of that you know yeah i don't personally think i even agree that it's just that if you feel like you're less than that you might have a inferiority complex you know because that's something that like we in general i'm gonna say this though i don't really see too many just what i see i'm not you know i'm just speaking on my personal experience i don't see as much like sisters in the cup going around telling the hijabi sisters you know like why are you wearing hijab you need to wear the cob like exactly. why don't you wear you know but like I don't go around telling them that I don't even see any difference because to me like if you're dressed properly that's your business mm -hmm. and if you're not that's your business you know and um I don't think about it every day like when I go outside like I'm wearing the car but I don't think about it so if you if you come to me and you say that it's like obviously you feel a way about what you're looking like exactly. so you need to <laughs> You need to focus on why that is, not me. You know what I mean? So Absolutely. look into it, you know. Inshallah. Like I, I totally agree. I've, I've had instances where sisters have gone out of their way to just tell me that I don't need to wear the niqab. And I just think, like, right. it's not your business, you know? I, yeah, like, uh, I don't pick your clothes for you. Like, I'm sorry. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, that's that's you that's between you and Allah just like my decision was between me and Allah it's not between me you and the, you know what I'm saying so you know it's not a big it's not a really a big deal I think sometimes we make it a bigger issue than it is mm -hmm. you know like I think it's in a Muslim community that one of the top topic is like 
the cop for the past like 30 years like when is that never gonna stop be becoming a trending like topic it's like it's personal so yeah i don't know you know then sometimes people take it as political statements and stuff like this where it's really it shouldn't be or it's not you know uh, so that's something i really like and we like that but in general no when we interact with, with and working and stuff like that um is is that it's just those tiny things you know it has to do with you know other muslims for sisters like uh, you know uh their uh their ideas you know yes yes so um have you would you say have you had any kind of physical for when the niqab or um or you know like severe abuse of any kind for wearing it like even verbal uh only a couple of times that was like in the states um i was in a grocery store and a, a man was basically following me around the aisles um telling me that i was a baby killer wow uh mind you you know this was the time of 911 so mm -hmm. you know and so like i was just like well if you have something to say you can say it to me and you can say it to my husband you know so yeah. obviously he didn't know how to talk after like he said all this and you know there's a man involved he's like he doesn't even know what he was saying or whatever um but yeah as far as then as the i was like we were um kind of harassed at the mall there was a couple of sisters also who were in the cabin we were together so it was just a man you know calling like trying to um i don't know the other what's the I don't know the 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 standard word for like trying to holler at a sister, you know, you know, trying to like, I don't know, you know what I'm saying, but like very aggressive with it, yes. like, yeah. oh, let me see what you got on under there, you wow. know, this kind of stuff, oh, kind of following us around and, you know, but it wasn't, I, I mean, it could escalate, but it's like, okay, Allah will sign, you know, like, you're not doing nothing wrong by uh, wearing the cop so you know a lot protects you and um you just again you have to be aware of what's around you mm -hmm. yeah. so so what about your traveling experiences since being an akabi you said you've lived in different muslim countries mm. what, what's your traveling experiences been like uh in general they've been the same Except for one place, uh, that was kind of, it was a, a weird, um, it was a lot of scrutiny. This one country we went to. Um, was like, it a Muslim country? Was, yeah, but it, it's it, Kazakhstan. I know people are like, why was you there? But that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother video somewhere. I, I actually um, have a sister that was from there and she was, she told me like, that even hijab, it's like, you can't, it's like, it's, you it's, can't even really wear very, hijab there. It's you know, very well people wear you know the thing you know what we what we uh that was only i think it was last year last year or something um because i also have a daughter who wears niqab and i have other uh, you know um i have uh uh daughters-in-law who are niqab it was just very uh, it was just strange because mm -hmm. it's coming to the through, through the airport there was a lot of like I'm telling you, if you, this the, on the airplane, it's like only, I think we're the only people who even wear hijab. So mm -hmm. it was like, that was strange. 
Um, but it was kind of like, okay, you know, whatever. Um, but then in the society, like, the people respected it. They just like, kind of like, well, you do what you want to do. You know, it wasn't like they attacked you, but it was just, it was just that you might feel very like strange. You mm -hmm. might, uh, because you just don't really see much of anybody who even wears a hijab. Mm -hmm. And then when you do, um, it's nothing like what you used to, you know, like coming from like other Muslim countries where it's more like, okay, you see like, you know, Jobab, hijab, you know, mm -hmm. it's kind of like, I don't know what it is, like handkerchief and whatever, you know, so it's like very, people are trying to still learn about their dean and yeah. like coming back to it. And yes. they don't really harass you. I even noticed there was more respect there, mm -hmm. but um, it was just like, they were just like amazed more than, more than um, aggressive about it. It was just, just, you know, so it was like, wow, what is this, you know? Yeah. So th did you also, get to interact with people to the level where they knew that you was coming, like that you were an American basically? Yeah, they all know because it wasn't that many of us there. So right, it's okay. very, uh, yeah. it's very uh, like spotlight, mm -hmm. you know, everywhere you go, it's spotlight, you know. Um, yeah, it's, it was very, very, um, I don't know the word for it. Um, it was very, uh, yeah, like you just always look, you're just always the thing of interest to people. Yeah. You know, you're like, wow. Either it's like amazement or it's like, okay, you must be Arab. But then it's like, no, we're not. So, yes, yes. But why do we automatically have to be, you know? Yeah, that's that's the, that's yeah. the main one, though. It's like you get you get people yell at you, oh, Saudi Arabia and things like that. Yeah, they don't, you don't really. They see, you know, with, I will say this, um, another sister had this, had this perspective and I, I really thought about it because she, she had said that basically she was, um, something that she didn't like about the niqab, that even though she loves the niqab and everything is that she didn't really like that it doesn't show um, where we, like who we are as, uh, for example, our culture, you mm -hmm. know, like we could be from anywhere. So especially like, you know, if we have a little melanin, right? Or a lot, mm -hmm. it's already, you know, from Africa. There's nothing mm -hmm. wrong with being from Africa, but we're not from there, mm -hmm. you know, or if you're, um, if you have any shape, if you just look like, if you have a, a, you know, lighter skin complexion, okay, you must be uh, Arab, mm -hmm. but they could be from Europe or something else in there. Muslim you know yeah. so it's like it's just like people automatically put you in a category that they don't they're mm -hmm. trying to figure out where you're from mm -hmm. okay you're automatically this or that without asking you you know so this it's a little you know it's a little irritating mm -hmm. um, because then I think if people understood that they should like still uh, you can still identify like cultures and stuff like that without being offensive by assuming you know mm -hmm. Or then you won't be as surprised when you hear English or whatever, you know. Yeah. So they're just confused, you know. They're like, "How do you speak English?" And you, you know, they just, they're just like you. Just they don't know what you are, who you are, yeah, or whatever. Yeah. So, 
yes like that that's that's a really interesting take um i've never really thought about that to be honest but i i I don't know i I wouldn't say that i agree because i think that once i i i think in my experience like before i started wearing the niqab for example and i was just wearing hijab people didn't think i was a revert because i was black so living in the uk they just assumed that i'm just a muslim and I'm, um, you know, I'm a Muslim that lives in the UK, and that my family must be. Used. They thought I was Sudanese. They thought I was Nigerian. They thought I was all manner of countries. So, and I wasn't any of those things. But I just, I, I've always found that when you're black, you just get identified as being whatever country, you know, maybe whoever you're communicating with. If they're from a particular place and you have a particular look, they associate with you with that country that they think that you look like you're from it's just simple as that right yeah. because black people we come in all shades arabs come in all shades you know so you can be either or so i, I don't know yeah. i don't think the niqab kind of um i don't think the niqab makes that more like difficult to tell the difference i just think that it means that you need to talk to somebody to find out where they're from rather than just look at them and assume because you have to do that anyway yeah exactly yeah it's, it's, it's just like literally almost impossible yeah. to tell especially now like yeah. we live in such a mixed climate if it, us muslims who's living in like like for example that's why like when i started talking to you i can't assume that even as an african-american that you must be a revert because i know that there's a lot of african-americans who you know islam's been in there in in, in america for such exactly. a long time yeah that there's exactly. that there's yeah. muslims coming from you know how many generations you know so you can't just assume even an african-american muslim happens to have been a revert you know what i mean so it's having that kind of um i don't know i don't know what you call it cultural understanding of uh, different cultures but the more you mix with people the more you kind of have that more broader um that kind of take on it i suppose yeah that's the thing about that's what exactly your point about uh traveling because when you go to some places and they may have never seen, you know, anybody from your people ever, mm-hmm. then it's like, uh, it's just like, you become like, a, a you know, um, I guess like an anomaly, you know, mm-hmm. you're like, how, you know, so it's, it's like that, you know, but you, when you see other places and you, you understand, like, we didn't have to explain ourselves, like, when, for example, in, in Malaysia, the people seemed more uh, traveled, if you want yeah. to say. Mm-hmm. So they kind of like, they didn't even ask us like, are you American? They can tell by our, you know, mannerisms, mannerisms. even though, you know, even though it's not like as Americans, but as Muslim American or whatever you want to call it, they mm-hmm. can tell, you know, some things like, okay. Or um, they could see like, okay, maybe they thought we was Arab because this or that. And I understand that because just some things you know this just because of living in uh Arabic speaking country like you have some uh you know you pick up some of the uh culture a little bit you know when you have the language and stuff like that so it's just I mean I understand like so but yeah so yeah you you see that when you just if you travel around you see you know you have to just give people that uh just gives them some rahma, you know, like they yeah, just yeah. don't know. They just don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just they don't know, let them know. Safe and not to assume. <laughs> yeah, I just I think right. it's just always safer not to assume. And that's 
part of what it means to like you know take time to actually get to know somebody you know if you're interested yeah. in knowing about someone just ask them that's the best thing because yeah. you know like it's like it's, it's like um meeting a white person and assuming that they speak english most of us right exactly yeah. most of us do that so if you meet a white person and they don't speak english it's almost like there's this level of perplexity that like happens like people often people are taken aback but there's plenty of white people who don't speak a word exactly exactly they have all types of different languages and that's i think that's the that's the part where you have to just um you have to realize that there is a frustration like when you don't have you know like if you don't learn if you don't know their language yeah you know like you're trying to learn and so like you can't even ask that you know mm -hmm. it's hard to ask stuff where you can't really communicate because you don't know their language or you're trying to learn and you're like you know you, you're still doing baby steps that was a, a big issue there like Kazakhstan because they don't really speak English so you have to like you know you see you see the body language and stuff and you're trying to communicate and mm -hmm. You know, you still can you still can communicate without always um, speaking. Like you know, yeah. it's like your manners and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. You know, just, just trying to be patient. Mm -hmm. What's and, the weather like in Kazakhstan, by the way? Just out of curiosity, is it? Is um, it I assume that the it's area where we the area where we were at was um, I believe it came up as one of the top like it's within the first top three or five coldest places in the world. We didn't know. Wow. We didn't really know that until we went through it, and that's like one of the main, one of the contributing factors to why we just couldn't do it. Mm. It was very extremely, bitterly frigid. Without, mm. I just, I was just like, subhanallah, like this is, wow. uh, this is um, uh, subhanallah, you know, the test, subhanallah. <laughs> yeah, wow. yeah. Yes, I'm in Turkey now. I think some people may not know what some, you know, I don't know. I don't, it doesn't, this point doesn't, it doesn't matter. But yeah, we've been here um, uh, like less than a year, so. Okay, so how, how is Turkey? Um, I know everybody, every, like, I'm everywhere is different, Turkey. yeah. If you can... is like, I know a lot of Muslim sisters who've moved to Turkey and most of them are having really positive experiences i think in general there's obviously some challenges mm -hmm. i think um yes the thing is yeah everywhere has its things you know mm -hmm. and it's so hard to like not compare and contrast other places where you lived you know but it's it's so easy to do and i would say like uh the main thing is you know the way the world is right now we we cannot pick and choose you know what we want from each country and make it to one place mm -hmm. you can't get everything you want in one place so that's the that's obvious like you know everything that um you might find in other there's some things that I, I like about here that does kind of remind me of a mixture of other other countries we lived in so in our in our city where we live we don't live in Istanbul so I can't really speak about that but um it's it's like uh the weather is mild it's not cold it's not hot even in the summer it's not it's not like cold and it's not hot so it's mm -hmm. like medium okay. you know bearable you know you're not hot like you know pouring sweat when you leave mm -hmm. the house but also you might need a jacket if you know for summer you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> um and uh the people have been very 
um, generous and helpful to us, um, respectful. Mm -hmm. uh, their language barrier is very real. Like you, you really need, um, you really need to learn the language. Yeah, I feel like it was easier for us to learn some of the, the or to understand some of the, the things because they still speak with you even if they see that you don't know the language. Um, it's because of some of it has to, they're derived from Arabic words so and some English words also, some yeah. kind of, you know, Latin uh, languages. So you can, if you know English and you know Arabic, you can actually understand it easier. Mm -hmm. But it still takes, it takes a lot of, it takes a lot of you have to go out and interact every day mm -hmm. because you otherwise you'll be lost mm -hmm. um uh cost of living i think it, for us um i have a, a large family i'll say huge actually lower than large and uh yeah egypt for us in comparison to egypt it was it's i think it's cheaper here Okay. Uh, for sure. higher quality, yeah. Okay. For, I will say when I mean higher quality, so I don't, I'm not being disrespectful to Egypt. Mm -hmm. Now people don't come for, but I mean as far as like, you get more for your actual um, rent. You know, like you might get, um, you know, like uh, furnished. Uh, furnished may not be. Uh, I'm sorry. Unfurnished is not actually unfurnished. How it is in Egypt, so. You know how Egypt, you got the light bulb and the floor and the walls, you know, and you have to get everything else, like mm -hmm. literally. Mm -hmm. But um, you can find a lot of places here where you have, where it's already, that like you could kind of just move in and just buy like the basic necessities, which actually some of the necessities are already there for you. Yeah. So, and you pay uh, like less than you, like half of what you would pay for rent and even in, um, in Egypt. Okay, sure the food is almost the same. Yeah, and they have inflation. They had they started to have that, yeah, but yeah. it's still still not the same. Mm -hmm. um, also, uh, it's like less less uh, crowded where we live. It's not like a lot of like people and stuff, which we prefer. We prefer that, even though it's the city, is still not as as uh, populated as as Egypt. In comparison to Malaysia, we found that it was cheaper in Malaysia also than Egypt for the quality of um, of living accommodations that you would get. You know, um, the cabs were more there here. I think cabs are are yeah, expensive to ride in a cab, but you can also take public transportation, or you could just walk. You do a lot of walking. Um, but yeah, in general. I think it's um, cheaper. I, I don't know about, I think schooling might be even cheaper than Egypt in some respects, but again, a language barrier. So that, but yeah, if you want to find, of course, like uh, Arabic teachers and Quran stuff like you want to find in the, the like uh, Arabic speaking countries, it's not going to be as much, but you do have it because there's a lot of Syrians here. So Nice. You know, you can easily, if you want that, you can find it. Yeah, come to that. Um, so I don't know. It's just a lot of, you know, uh, it was easy to come through the airport. It was so easy. It was mm -hmm. like extremely, like you just walked outside your house. Come to that. It was much easier. And um, uh, yeah, yeah, you just, I think also you just, wherever whatever place it is you have to have um 
or it helps. I don't want to say you have to, but it helps to have somebody from the country, uh, you know, help you get around and learn things, you mm -hmm. know, at least uh, at the very least, um, you know, get to know the other Mahajas there so that you can have some kind of support system because yes. it's necessary. I, I believe that is necessary. And uh, if you don't have one, make one, mm -hmm. you know, so that was pretty much what I wanted that sounds amazing so um i was going to ask you as well about like food and stuff uh, you know being african-american and obviously you've lived you know away from america for quite a long time what would you say like, <laughs> like how, how how have you kind of um adapted food wise um to you know certain things that you know you might have grown up having and really liking because that's <laughs> the main things for most people when they move to other countries the diet you oh, do yeah. like, it's automatically like you know if you want to like really live like the people who will live there and even especially if you're you know on a budget you have to adapt your living like your foods especially to you know what's available uh, yes you know i'm glad you actually this wasn't on the script by the way you know <laughs> no it wasn't you, it's a, it wasn't but but i did i did uh i love talking about this because i'm a food person yeah me so too. like yeah, it's like when we came to Egypt, I was like, I made sure because I, I did talk to some people who lived there before I came mm -hmm. and they, I was really specific about the food issue because I'm like, do I, you know, do I need to bring my equipment, you know, like, because I like to bake and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Do I need to, I'm bringing my spices, you know. Yeah. Uh, but um once once I started to live there and even it happens with all the, all the countries too, by the way, it's like, the first thing I do is go to the spice market. I find yes, it and just I get all this stuff like because I want it to at least taste like what I'm used to, you know. Mm -hmm. And a good thing about the Muslim world, alhamdulillah, is that, you know, a lot of stuff is natural. You can find pretty much all the basic uh, ingredients. You know, like, for example, if you wanted to make, um, uh, let's see, I would just say chicken, for example, because I don't know, it's just come to the easiest thing, like chicken, right? If you want to bake chicken, right, then, you know, you just, you do how you used to doing and you're, and you know, how you grew up, you know, um, and, it, and alhamdulillah, I've never found a problem with it, like not coming out. It might not come out the exact same. Sometimes it's better, sometimes mm -hmm. because the ingredients may be, you know, fresher, okay. especially like, yeah, especially like baked goods because the butter is like fresh, the, the eggs are fresh, the, everything, you know. Um, and it's like, um, but sometimes because of the, the environment, the climate, you know, it might not, you know, I'm, like for example, if you're not used to using like gas, um, uh, um, the gas tanks, you know, mm. yeah, like kind of like it was, it was an adjustment for me because it was like something scary. Like I know in a, in the states we use them down south. We don't really, from where I'm from up north, we don't really use them that much. Mm -hmm. But I do know about them, and I was always afraid of them because they can cause, you know, explosions and stuff. And we've seen it actually mm -hmm. happen to people, and that was, you know, traumatizing. But you know, you just like you get used to it. You 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 know, learn how to be safe using them and stuff like that. Um, also, there's natural gas in some places, so. Yeah. But yeah, you can find all your your in general you can find like all the spices. 
um that's at least the base ones not not like blends but i mean yes. like the, the core you know you can you have to make your own blend yeah, like yeah you know they got hot pepper they garlic and you know onions but you know the basic thing and um you know cookware you might have to search a little bit harder to find like for example like maybe like cast iron where cookware um i would say like also the the quantities that the food comes in is usually smaller in the in the Muslim country. I don't know why. I guess because America has like is, everything stuff. is oversized. Yeah, it's like so we look at like a small thing of milk is it's like one liter of milk is like a baby portion, you know, but you kind of get used to it. Like, okay, you know, you have to get like bigger, you know, have to buy more smaller things in order to make, or you try to find the wholesale market uh, so that you can making up for your family you know um they do have deep freezers and stuff like that for anybody who wants to do that or even when you're trying to do meal preparation um it might be hard to find like you know freezer bags and you know uh you know what i mean like tupperware and stuff like that yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah you know but they do have it you just have to you have to look you have to really look hard um in some places it's easy to find you know it just depends and you also as far as eating locally we we have done that um we do generally buy the same stuff the other the, the people from the land you know what they buy but we just make it different so i mean like if you you don't really i don't know how to say it. i guess if you don't really cook maybe that's an that's a soup that's a major adjustment mm -hmm. because you know you everything it's not like packaged food uh already yeah. um already made food easily mm -hmm. available like at the grocery store and stuff like that but then at the same time you can't order out if you want to do that you know people do that too um but it just might not be to their taste like here uh i was already pre-warned that you know it's kind of like the taste buds are a bit uh how do I say this? Uh, bland, mm -hmm. you know. So like we had some Turkish people come for iftar and, and during Ramadan, and they were like, "Wow, the f <laughs> they were Beautiful. trying to say it in their Google Translate, you know." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. it's a, it got a lot of um, uh, uh, too much flavor <laughs> for them, you know. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Or even if it's a little bit of salt, it's kind of like too much. Yeah, yeah. So we kind of know, like, all right. You know, not that it's salty, but there's just yeah, yeah. a little bit of salt might help. You know what I mean? But that's just how we, you know, mm -hmm. how we eat. So, yeah, you just have to, you have to like, you know, some actually we find a lot of similarities between here and Egypt as far as the food selection. They yes, have the same yes. type of, you know, mm -hmm. you know, you can find the lentils, the beans, all the different types of beans, yeah. all different types of rice, you know, all like pastas and all that all types of the vegetables, the same, you know, tomatoes and mm -hmm. lots of different fruits, fruits and vegetables, you know, so, you know, go for what you like as far as, uh, I would say shop and then like open markets, you know, it's, it's cheaper and it's to get better quality uh, from the farmers, you know, and, uh, and just make what you, you know, eat what you like, you know, you don't necessarily have to eat what the people mm -hmm. eat, but at least the base ingredients you should because yeah. you know if you're used to like eating like i don't know what 
steak and eggs and bacon and <laughs> all that stuff like Americans like mm-hmm. diet and burgers and fries like all the time and stuff like that which is not healthy anyways but it's going to be a challenge yeah it might be a challenge unless you want to just make it all at home and just but you still it's not healthy so yeah exactly um, yeah you want to it's quite quite an adjustment that's that's one of the like experiences that I've been having since like coming to Ghana as well I think um it's it's the food and um yeah because it's 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 just uh I don't know I I don't know like I've seen a lot of people talking about moving to Ghana and talking about the food and how it's amazing and this and that but like I don't know I think I don't know if it's my palate because uh I find that I, I feel I feel like the palate is um is not that diverse like because like my mom's from the Caribbean so I've been raised with like Caribbean cooking and for me it's much wider yes so I like I I feel like food for me like and especially being raised in the UK like the the Caribbean food is even though there's similarities with African food West African cooking definitely there is but I find that um it's there's more similarities with like South Asian cooking like right food-wise. yeah exactly you know, yeah. It's, it's, that's yeah. probably the closest so like I've always um enjoyed like you know South Asian like cooking much more because yeah. the flavors flavor wise the, the similarities Me are there too. Yeah. yeah yeah that was a big uh that was a big uh fitness in Malaysia it's like food is just all over <laughs> you know on the street corners on the it's just like <laughs> everywhere Mm-hmm. And it's, I mean, and the food outside where people are actually cooking it is, is like, you wouldn't have no need to go to any type of Western uh, restaurant or anything. It's, yeah. And it's, even if you said, okay, well, I love KFC or whatever, it, it doesn't do no justice, like yes. for the people in the street, yeah, <laughs> you know, it's just, and it's cheap and it's like delicious you know yeah. flavorful no msg mm-hmm. natural ingredients it's yeah. just like wow mm-hmm. you know it's just abundant wow. <laughs> yeah. and healthy too sometimes yeah. sometimes yeah. <laughs> you know so yeah it's, it's, yeah i'm just i don't know maybe maybe you have to like get all your your, your spices at least you know like scent so yeah I'm, I'm still I'm still trying to discover that I feel like here I, I don't know like the, like you know having been to like you know a couple of other countries when you go you, as you said you, there's a spice market and I don't I haven't I've been to many markets here but I've not seen mm. like really what I would call a spice market I found that their range is quite limited like you know you, you for example if you if you're in Morocco for example you go to the market and there'll be like bags of spices like yes kilo bags. but right they, back, huge shop, bag, yeah. they, don't, they don't have that here so it's like if you if you're looking for spices um like the closest that i've been able to get to what i want is like an indian um like a, a supermarket where they have like you know they're catering for like you know people who are coming from india who happen to live here or they're visiting or whatever yeah. so i can find like more of the spices that i'm used to using there and um, you know some of the local shops they might have spices, but they come in in these little sachets. Yes, tiny. And I know what yeah, you mean. Yeah, and there's mostly these blend ones as well. So like, you know, you have to kind of pick and mix, and then it like when you buy all these little packets, packets, it adds up like price wise. You know what I mean? So, it, so it's like yeah. these kind of adjustments, adjustments. I'm still kind of trying to 
get to grips with because I, I feel like here they like as I said like the West African cooking is obviously Ghanaian cooking they're not they don't use that they don't use as many spices that's that's what I've been able to tell especially by seeing how, when they cook you know when like local people I know if you watch them cooking and stuff they don't use that many things like I know like yeah like, it's like yeah, you, know go, you go to the halal shop you buy your spices it's like you buy at least 10 different things you're going to have like in your cupboard like I used to have so many jars but like yeah, here it's like yeah. maybe two three different things wow yeah that's that's always a you know like you said it's it's um trying to uh, pick certain things from different countries is difficult yeah, it's you know yeah. like it was it was somewhat like that in in Malaysia to a degree to a degree because if you don't really like uh, Asian food then you might have a problem you know like if you just like even finding Italian spices for example or herbs mm -hmm. like very like it's very expensive like, or like you said those tiny little packs is like enough for <laughs> like two pieces of chicken <laughs> <laughs> it's not gonna do much but yeah that's the thing you, but when you find you know you'll find somebody who is like on the same struggle as you yeah then you're like okay that's the connection right there yeah. like we were looking for um cheese this was a big issue because i'm oh. from like a cheese, cheese state in the state wow cheese. cheese here subhanallah they don't do cheese like that yeah we were fine we were looking look and then one time we we were just like at this um it's a shop where they sell like bakery items and there was cheese there mm -hmm. it was just like wow they have cheese like you know one kind or two kinds you know. but still there was cheese it was like mozzarella okay give me pizza okay yeah, yeah when we found it we were just like overjoyed I'm good enough. I'm good enough. <laughs> and we found that they don't really eat too much like uh dairy products so mm -hmm. and then when you find them it's, it's very expensive and you know it's like something you have to plan to buy like definitely it's exactly like, like that it. here as well it's so hard to find yeah. cheese and like a, people mm, don't drink yeah. milk or anything like that <laughs> right right yeah so you have to probably like cow you had to go to a farm and just get <laughs> a lot as much as you can and <laughs> Basically. Yeah. Yes, yeah. 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 The challenges of Hijra. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it's just what it is. It's what it is. What it is. Yeah. Because because I suppose like when you when you're thinking of making Hijra, like those kind of things, I don't know, like it's not the it's not really the priority, is it? I suppose. So it's like once you've moved you you start i think one of the things that helps you when you when you traveled to live especially in a different country is that you start to if you if you haven't already been doing that before you start to really learn about what is important for you to have yes yes especially coming and from i found country. that it's important for me to have my spices <laughs> you know <laughs> you know even certain things like even in a house you know like uh or just the environment mm -hmm. you know like i was trying to say like i wasn't used to um lots of people like that when we came before we came to egypt so it was just it's not that it's the the like i don't like i just like the country because of like whatever it's just certain things that it's not suitable to me that i just really saw that don't uh work with 
like us as a as our, it's our temperament, you know, as our uh, you know what I'm saying? Like if you don't really, if you're not like a desert person, yeah, or you don't exactly like like if you're not like a, I'm not an extrovert. So some people like they, you know what I mean. So if they like see a lot of people, to them it's it's energy. It's not, yeah, it, yeah. It, mm-hmm. it like that. But for me, it's like it's it sucks my life away. Yes. <laughs> like yeah. to just go out and have to deal with all these people all the time is just it was exhausting. Mm-hmm. And so you know, just certain things you might see like I really need to be in a a quieter place you know I need to be in a more family friendly place I have I have children like I need them to be in a place where they can uh like go outside and play of course because course. they can't stay in my house like mm-hmm. also as a homeschooler like all day they gotta mm-hmm. go outside mm-hmm. especially boys <laughs> you know so mm-hmm. it's just certain things that you 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 start to see that is important to you that maybe you didn't even think about before like to be honest, when I came to Egypt, I had I had three small children, mm-hmm. and I was like, I just assumed, okay, well they all go to an Islamic school or something like that, but then I quickly saw that was not going to be an option, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I quickly saw that uh, if I had more children, what is the healthcare like? Is I needed to be that's an important thing, yeah. you know. If people have certain health conditions and stuff mm-hmm. like that, you need to go where the healthcare is uh, better, you know? Um, it's just certain things that you find out after the fact, you know? <laughs> like, but you kind of override it if you don't, if, you ha- if you're focused on one thing. Mm-hmm. Like for me, I was focused on, okay, I want to learn Arabic, I to read Quran. So if everything else is like to the side, but as you, as you know, the kids get older, as you get older and you, you start to see like, okay, you possibly need to think somewhere else because it might not be suitable to you later on, you know, even as far as your mental uh, health, you know, it's not, uh, everywhere is not for everybody, you know, so Definitely. you have to yeah. consider all that stuff, you know, especially if, if you like, say, for example, a type of sister who um, really needs to be around other people all the time, like other sisters and stuff like that, and even if you're not, like me personally, I'm not really like that, but people think I am because I do like community stuff, mm-hmm. but, I, but, you know, I don't need to be around people a lot, but you do need it sometimes, you know, so if you don't have it at all, it's way different than being able to choose if you want to or not. You know, because you don't have like sisters in your area or something like, you know, like that. Uh, and also the kids, you know, finding friends and, you know. Um, yeah, that's a big deal, isn't it? It's very important. Yeah. Yeah. Some people don't think it, maybe they don't think it's important. Mm. Yeah. You have to, you have to, you know, you have to mix. And unfortunately, when we were in Egypt, we mixed a lot, but we didn't uh, have a lot of, um, I want to say a lot. We didn't have very, very few local people who were actually like friends, mm. you know. So I thought that was it was kind of strange because for the amount of time that we stayed there, it was very, yes. very strange because in other countries, like it's the first few months we started to meet people, we started to, you know, I mean they were very helpful to us and mm-hmm. everything, you know, and like. The, the bonds were closer and everything it's just it's strange yeah. you know even here it's like like the whole neighborhood was <laughs> it's like you know 
it's okay. You just have to, you figure it out. You know, you get what you get from that place. And then if you, if Allah wants you to go somewhere else, I'm just saying, wherever you go, it's just, you know, get, get what you can get from it, you know, and, and, uh, and just, just, I just like maintaining it, you know, somebody put in the comments, I think we could talk about this because we're in, you talking about make hijra, but mm -hmm. it was so funny. It was to me, it was hilarious. Somebody put in the comments, brother Omar, how many times are you gonna make hijra? Wow. Mashallah. <laughs> because you know, it seems like obviously they don't see the background, but it it seems like okay, you live this country, you live in this country. Mm -hmm. But you know, the thing is maintaining it. Because for us it was never an option to um return back mm -hmm. to the States. It was never like on the table. Mm -hmm. And if it was on the table, it was on a clear edge falling off the end of the table. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? Yes. So it wasn't necessarily really on it, you know? Mm -hmm. But unfortunately you do have situations where people have to go back and and there's so many cases of that and the reasons why, and some of them really want to come back and some do. Yes. Um, with a different, you know, mind frame of like, I'm not, I don't care what happens. I'm more prepared, you know, um, I'm not, it doesn't matter if I need to switch countries, it's still a Muslim country. You still have the same elements, yeah. regardless, you know? Mm -hmm. So even if it's a place like, you know, that has, it's just, a, it's a step better than where you were, mm -hmm. you know? Like you say, you're in Ghana. So of course, I think it's maybe better for you than the UK. Like, yeah, I, I, I think like, it's mean, okay. here that I can complain about, believe me, but it's still for me better. Yeah. I don't miss the UK. You know, mm -hmm. like people ask yeah. me, do I miss it? And this is like, well, I don't because I think, uh, you know, if, if you're somebody who's um, very attached to the conveniences of the West, then, you know, you will right. miss it because you're attached to those things. Yeah. But I think that as Muslims, these are the things that, you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't want us to be attached to because that is like an attachment yeah. to the dunya. It's like you need to try to, yeah. you know, free and yourself from those things. Yeah. And the thing is, this kind of like the interesting part about that is even when you go to other places, if you don't even what say you don't want those things, you don't want those things that's like from the West. If Allah wants it for you, you're going to have it regardless of exactly. whatever Muslim country you live in. You know, if you're meant to live in a house in a villa or whatever, mm -hmm. this is what you're gonna have. Even if you live in the Muslim world, it's not, it's not, it doesn't restrict your, your risk. Exactly. Okay, so it's just like that. So I feel like, you know, I don't miss nothing there except for my family. You mm -hmm. know, yes, and yeah. I always tell them that I really just miss my family. Mm -hmm. Alhamdulillah, some of them were able to visit and they saw mm -hmm. the the benefits yes and i just pray that they will be, be able to come back and stay because they were like wow like you guys you don't know how much you know you're um missing you know like on a negative side uh, you don't you know you just you don't know what you missed mm. i'm like i don't need to know i i, I see i can That's see what course. i missed yeah, I, I can see it in the you know i can see it yes with, uh, people with the times and everything, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful that Allah has allowed us to miss those things. Absolutely. You know, so. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Yeah. Definitely. There's, there's certain things that, you know, obviously like, well, there's a lot going on at the moment 
and I know that these things it wouldn't be possible for it to happen here like I would have been there like no. the, the, the no. mentality of Never. the people like here these, like you question like, what a f- woman or a man is yeah, like basic um, stuff like yeah because often people people yeah. ask me oh you know why don't you why don't you want to go back to the UK why are you living here why you want to come to Ghana and I, when I start telling them like what's happening in the UK they, they don't look, really want to know they look at me they really shocked know. like you know it's almost like they it's don't a believe book about why yeah it's a fun yeah so inshallah we need to we've been chatting for a good while now alhamdulillah okay uh, right let's 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 wind it winds down now inshallah because i'm sure you've got a lot of things to be getting on with okay so um what kind of advice would you give to um sisters who would like to wear the niqab but they don't have the confidence Uh, you said they don't have what? I'm sorry, I didn't hear the confidence. last word. They don't feel confident. Oh, confidence. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Um, I would say make istikhara, of course, mm-hmm. always. Make istikhara, make dua. Um, look into your reasons why you're doing it. You know, sincerely look at the main core reasons of why you're looking into it, doing it. Um, if you're the type of sister who needs support, then find it, you know, um, ask Allah to give it to you. Um, also, don't worry about what other people think, because at the end of the day, it's your decision and you don't need their approval. No, no that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but like, what, like, have you have you met sisters um, who, like, I don't know, like, in your time, have you met sisters who wanted to wear the niqab, that, but they, they're not allowed to wear it, they've been prevented for some reason? Or... Yes, yes, I have. I have mm-hmm. met a lot of people. Yeah, sometimes it's kind of, to me, it's, um, when I first encountered that, it was strange because mm-hmm. sometimes it would be like their parents or um, their husband, mm-hmm. you know, or their kids, or uh, it wouldn't necessarily be the society. So I'm like, mm-hmm. like wow, that's a, that's a lot. Um, because if you, you know, like you live at home, so, you know, it's like, they're all against what you, and sometimes they're Muslims, you know, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. So it's like, like you have to fight people in a, on a daily basis mm-hmm. to do something that, that Allah said is okay to do, you know? So I don't know, but um, may Allah help them, you know, and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, soften their family's hearts and open their eyes to the, the, the situation because, you know, it's, it's something, again, that, it's, it's affecting you. They might think it's just only about like it's affecting them, but it doesn't. It's affecting the person who's making a decision. Yes, of know? course. Yes, and and what about sisters who've been forced? Um, I've seen that, but it's to a lesser degree. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ones who are, I want to say forced because, okay, I was okay. Like for example, if you have a scenario where the husband is like. I, I, he doesn't say he wants you to wear it, but he's like, you you have to wear it. He doesn't give her any kind of, you know, option. He's just saying, yeah, like obey your husband. You have to yes, wear it. Yes. I'm like, wow, you know, that's a mm. that's a, a huge fitna. But but again, if I've seen that when you try to force people to do stuff they don't really want to do, of course, and they don't believe it's even like 
wedge it for them to do. Mm-hmm. You, that's when you see people outside. Well, okay, my husband told me to wear it, but guess what? It slipped up every time I go outside mm-hmm. because I'm not, I'm really not, <laughs> I'm not doing this. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be a lot of defiance if you want to say, and if you want to say now she's become disobedient or whatever, mm-hmm. but it's something you can't force nobody to really do, you know, like yeah. in their heart. So, mm-hmm. I mean, even when it comes to people who are from uh, cultures where they may seem like they have to force the women or they try to kind of, uh, I guess, stay forced in a way where like shame them into do it. Yeah, like paper then, kind of thing. Yeah, then mm. they still they end up taking it off or end up hating it or end up taking mm. all their hijab off. Which is more way more important to me than the cob. Like, yeah, but course, yeah. now you you encourage them to take everything off. You know. Yeah. Yeah, so, um, uh, okay. So finally, um, I'll ask, uh, what does the nakab mean to you? Wow, that's um, that's interesting. I don't like I said. I don't really think about it like that. Any mm-hmm. maybe in the beginning. Okay, like when I first started wearing it, what was what did it mean to me it was like a special honor that the Prophet Sallallahu wives used to wear, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, something that um, other Muslim sisters could, um, you know, take as an example. Uh, but um, uh, as far as, yeah, like honor, and it's still hijab is an honor. So it's a, like, you know, extra the extra reward possible for you and your intention. Yeah. So I would say maybe honor and reward. Alhamdulillah. So like, because yeah. I mean, you've been wearing it for like more than 20 years now. So yeah. would you say that it's like, it's just normal for you to like obviously wear it? Yeah, I don't think about it. Yeah, like it's just like, okay, you know, when you get your clothes ready to go out, it's just, yeah. I mean, I'm not trying to, I don't want to, <laughs> mm-hmm. at the same time, you know, like, uh, um, make it less valuable. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not like you just put it on your socks or whatever. But, mm-hmm. you know, I think we should also, this is the question actually made me think more about uh, daily intentional uh, wearing it because I don't think about it like it too mm-hmm. much. But if we really thought about it all the time when we get dressed to go outside, well, even if you don't wear it in a cup, to be mm-hmm. honest, like if you, you know, you're covered properly, you every day you're doing ibadah. So every time you choose to go outside and obey Allah, you you should take honor in the reward that you get for obeying your Lord. You know, Absolutely. Absolutely. so that's just something that like it's very we have to think about. Like you know, mm-hmm. you're doing something good, Allah will reward you. Inshallah. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, no, not Inshallah. He promises that He will reward the mm-hmm. ones who do good you know who believe and do good so uh just know that this is something every day that you're choosing to do that um that's for Allah of course and actually I think I think there's I think there's um you know a beneficial point there and like you know what you said about it being it's just a normal something for you so you don't really think about it I think that points to how easy it can actually be to do you know obviously it can be something which is difficult but you know, it's something that when you do something for the sake of Allah, he puts the ease in it for you. So now it's like, it's just become like something which is second nature. Yeah. You feel that, you know, it's not something that you question or you 
have to think about like you know like for sisters who are thinking of wearing or they're just starting wearing it it's something that you know it's their kind of main maybe something that's you know their main thought process right now they're really thinking a lot about it and all the implications of wearing it whereas when you've been wearing it for a certain amount of time it just becomes well you know this is what it is that's my clothes that's how I dress that's how I leave the house yeah, yeah. so the it's biggest fear is actually yeah the biggest fear is like if somebody said I can't you know mm -hmm. like if I went somewhere to like for example to travel somewhere and they're like you have to take it off to whatever or to do you know that's like an actual like source of like anxiety you know yeah yeah like no you can't no like, I, don't, I don't even think about that because that's a I'm not no <laughs> i'm not doing that you know just like a look at sister for talking to me today. Really, yeah, it was enjoyable. Yeah, I, I know I told you before this, I was tired, but you know, you you woke me up. I mean, you know, not in a bad way, but it was a good. Uh, Alhamdulillah. I, I hope this sister, you know, benefit and you know, I, I watch your channel. I'm a fan, you know. So. Oh, mashallah. That's nice to hear. Mashallah, yeah, I, I love it. I'm like, you know, wow, this is. Because if people, if, you know, you see it, it's not just like, like, uh, how do you say, it? you ever saw, I don't know if it was on, I don't know if it's a book or I can't remember if it's a show, mm -hmm. but it's kind of like behind the veil, you know, right. it's like, mm -hmm. yes, we're real people, yeah. right, yes. all types of different sisters from mm -hmm. all the places, you mm -hmm. know, where we can relate to each other as all types of different things, you know, so. Mm -hmm. you know it's just not about like all oh, because you were in the car but we do have an interesting mm -hmm. um uh dynamic you know in society so it is what it is yeah alhamdulillah and i, I think that's that's yeah. that that is that was one of my objectives with um you know starting the channel in the first place it's quite niche um you know so it's, it's only it's maybe it's not going to appeal to a wide range of people but you know, it is what it is, and alhamdulillah, but I, I, I'm a big fan of the Make Hijra channel, actually. I think it's seriously underrated, especially for, um, you know, because I, I've always known, like, so many Muslims who want to make Hijra, and it's, it's like the information that's been given in that, your, you know, your podcast, Marshall, it's really beneficial, because, you know, for anybody who wants to know about traveling to actually live in another country, there's one thing, like, you know, traveling someplace to, for, to visit for holidays, not the same as going to live there. You know, and and experiences that sure, you exactly from exactly. different sisters and the brothers as well is really beneficial and informative. You get a really kind of really really good perspective. Um. So yeah, I think that's um. Come to that. So I think it's quite an under really underrated channel actually, especially like for Muslims. I don't know, like inshallah. It, um, inshallah, it will grow. May Allah put barakah in it because um I think a lot of Muslims need that channel like um just for the information that's being given out there basically especially in times like what we're living in now people need to know what options they have so yeah I'll come to that yes how to do it like inshallah we have we have a lot more uh content to add to that because just there's so many uh aspects of it you know how to do it you know your especially on the women's side too yeah. like it's not just like you know, pack your stuff and leave. It's a, it's a process. Yes, you know? of course. It's a process, especially when you have kids and stuff. Like, this is it's a lot. But you know, Allah Come together. Together. So, inshallah, um, till next time. I hope so I can talk to you another time yes. about other things. Maybe, inshallah. Yes. So yeah, uh, yes. barakallahu feekum.
Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Alaikum assalamu alaikum.